This is Creator Talks Episode 7, Solar Flare. And welcome back to Creative Talks. I am your host, Christopher Calloway. You're probably listening to this podcast on your PC or your Mac or your portable device such as your iPhone. Maybe you're listening to that iPhone while you're driving to work, playing this very podcast through the stereo system of your car using the Bluetooth connection. What if one day you woke up late because the alarm on your clock or your iPhone did not go off? Your cell phone is dead. The electricity in your house is switched off. Your refrigerator's not working. The lights won't go on. You have no way to contact the utility company to find out how widespread is this outage or what caused it. So you go outside. Try to start your car. Your car is dead. You have no way to reach distant loved ones other than walking. You think this is impossible? Could it have been some kind of terrorist attack taking out our grid? Some kind of EMP bomb that knocked out all electronics? Now, you might be thinking, nah, we have safeguards in place against that. We have a very strong defense. That's a lot of stuff and nonsense. That wouldn't happen. But what if it was a natural event, a solar flare event that acted as an electronic magnetic pulse, destroying all electronic devices on Earth? What would happen to society? What would happen to the social order? Well, writer James Hayek explores these questions and more in his comic book, Solar Flare. I spoke with James about his book, and although it's a work of fiction, it's based on real science, and it's getting a lot of attention. So here now is my interview with James Hayek. Yeah, man, a lot has been happening. Oh, I, I can't wait to hear. To yeah. Well, yeah. The, um, the audience doesn't know probably a lot about Solar Flare, except for those that, of course, follow me um, and have read mm-hmm. our interview before for Word of Nerd. But this is Creator Talks, and I want to get into the whole thing. But let's just start off with this is based on science, real science that could happen, in fact, has happened before in the past, in the 19th century, or something yeah. similar, like on a lower grade, but... The impact was less. Can you just like elaborate on that a bit? Yeah. So the the event was called the Carrington event, and it's kind of where I got the whole idea in the first place. I was uh, on a work a trip up in the north up in North Carolina. And I was watching this uh, Discovery Channel special on solar flares, and they were talking about it. it. Was called the Carrington event, and basically what had happened it was an actually not even a direct hit, but it was the most powerful flare ever recorded on record. And it wiped out everything. But luckily, everything back then was only the telegraph. And rumor has it that the telegraph line between here and Europe set aflame in a lot of locations when it did happen. But one of the really cool after effects that really caught my eye was the aurora borealis that it gave off. So back then, for 180 straight days, it shined night and night and day. It shined green. Wow. The northern lights. And it was seen as far south as the Caribbean islands. So, and this wasn't even a direct hit. What causes the EMP-like reaction when a flare hits is called the coronal mass injection. And uh, that is what causes and disrupts that magnetic field. So, I remember thinking that and seeing that, and I was like, man, what would happen right now if that happened? I live in Florida, and I was in North Carolina. It's like, how would I get home? And it just kind of 
just whole create a whole nother <laughs> it, it all started there that's what the emphasis the ground zero so to speak of uh solar flare and uh, i've always been into comics i've been collecting comics since i was five years old i've had a comic store back when i was in uh high school and uh college and uh yeah and i always wanted to write one so i took some courses with comics experience which i recommend everyone take a look into if if they're looking to get into the business and read a whole bunch of books wanted to do it right and uh that was probably about a year and a half ago and it just we (laughs) hit the ground running so to speak it's been just great success and i'm excited just to see the idea kind of uh just keep on growing. So you started reading at five. What did you read mm-hmm. when you when you first started reading comics? What did you uh, gravitate towards? Uh, Spider-Man. Okay. <laughs> Amazing okay. Spider-Man. One of my uh, close friends who actually does a lot of the conventions with me, he's the one who initially got me into comics. And uh, yeah, uh, Spider-Man was, was big. And then when I was in high school, I started going after independent comics. Uh, I was a big fan of Milk and Cheese by Evan Dorkin and Sandman. And yeah, I've just been... I've been collecting comics for a long time and reader first and I uh, love the art and yeah, it's been just to be in this industry. It's kind of a dream come true. Well, that kind of explains why you started with the comic book for this story because you've always read comics and you said you had a comic store. So, you know, that's hard and taking classes for it as well. You know, this whole idea and on your website, you have a lot more information about it, about what makes up a solar storm the three different components and you have a lot of nasa links too uh, mm-hmm. for more information about that but what's so scary about this like it looks at shows like walking dead these post-apocalyptic shows not that scary show right mm-hmm. and it's all about the people but you know it, it, in science it couldn't really happen that they could be animated and last for the, the walkers last for days and weeks and months like that but this this could really happen. This is something I've often thought about. Like, what if we lost the internet? What if we lost our cell phones? What if a lot of our cars stopped working? Like, we had that uh, scare during uh, Y2K during the conversion there. Yeah. What if everything failed? I know everybody was very scared about that. Um, and I was working that day, and it was like, okay, is everything working? Get in early and make sure we're still up and running. But this could happen. And we are so dependent upon the technology. What would happen to society? And that's what you get into in this book. Besides it being a personal story about the protagonist trying to get back to his daughter, is how society starts to turn. That's yep. really the frightening part. There's, once it happens, it happens, it's done. Everything's knocked out. But there isn't any ongoing threat of monsters or, or the sun could melt you. It's just it's all, all the electronics are dead. And now there's chaos starting to break out. And I wanted, like, I've always been a big sucker for post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic stories. Mm-hmm. But there's only so much suspension of disbelief that, that I can have. And then I'm like, I'm out, you know, after it gets too unrealistic. And uh, that's really my goal as a writer is to try to make this as realistic as possible. Of course, no one's perfect, but I, I'm trying. And by doing that, I have to research. So a lot of those links that I share on the website is a lot of where I initially got my research from and the more and more research i've done like so luckily solar flares and emps are very similar and there's a lot of you know people can search a simple google search and go through uh many different websites and find disaster plans that the military has set forth for an emp attack or even a solar flare in some cases which is essentially the same thing but uh it's amazing one thing that i found in common with all of them is how fast society unravels and that's a big goal of my series is I really want to show how fast it, you know, where it starts and then how quickly. Because this is what they, I mean, they've done projections uh, and it does happen very, very quickly. 
it's the initial shock, but you have to move quick in a scenario like that. So I try to keep it as real as possible. That That's my main goal. And uh, also to the character development. Some of the best books that I've either read or shows that I've seen, character development, even the minute small characters, to give them, you know, depth is such a huge goal of mine as a writer and a creator. And that's what I'm hoping to do with Solar Flare by telling the long game and not just making it a single mini series, but an ongoing series. And that's kind of, uh, yeah, I'm just really excited. I love talking about it, obviously. We just got back from a, a, a convention in uh, Miami this past weekend, and uh, it's been great. Really yeah, just charges me up every time I go to one of those. <laughs> and the reason why I bring up stuff like The Walking Dead is because everybody's familiar with it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I see... I see some of the, the smart moves that you're making that they made too and that, you know, if you look at something like Fear of the Walking Dead and I heard people say that, oh, it just happened so quickly, you know, like why didn't they drag it out longer and kind of show, you know, how things slowly unravel? Well, they don't. They wouldn't. I mean, we, mm-hmm. you know this from your research that you've done, the studies the government have done. It's not going to happen slowly. It's going to just start to collapse very quickly because people are going to panic. And that, that very real, real, that real fear that you've built into this. Um, that it is so real is what makes it so powerful a story and such a personal story too. Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the goal is, I mean, it's, to me, a lot of the times the most interesting science fiction is science fact. And what's scary about it too, another thing that I have researched and found out is that how likely this, we've had so many near misses that we don't find out until after the fact. And of course, the, the organizations that, that's in charge of alerting us and protecting us and letting us know of such an event is of course underfunded and undermanned and you know they're talking about cutting funding again and yeah it's um one of those things where you just can't really avoid and the consensus i've read a couple different conflicting reports but they say a heads up for a direct hit is we literally have somewhere between 16 and 24 hours to prepare and that's just, to me, that's absolutely wild. And this underfunded group that monitors you actually have in the book. Yep, yep. And I have one of the characters who actually works for them. So um, it's the main character's childhood friend. He's a scientist. And uh, actually, I kind of built it into a little marketing a marketing uh, campaign. Uh, I created this thing called the Solar Flare Preparation Guide. And I hand those out at conventions and uh, comic book stores. And I wrote it into this, wrote it in this character's voice. And he's a scientist, and he's the main character's childhood friend. And his goal before the flare was to actually warn people of the flare. So he would travel around all the different colleges and universities around the states or around the, the country, and he would lecture. And the brochure that I hand out is what he hands out at his lectures. And it's kind of like a prep guide. And uh, we've actually kind of expanded that, and we sell bags and to go like, which has a lot of that prep guide stuff in it. And we've labeled it with solar flare and stuff, and kind of did a nice little clever marketing campaign to help uh, promote our book. But uh, yeah, and we plan on doing updates with that. But uh, yeah, he's he was in charge of kind of coming up with a plan, and of course, it happens sooner than the plan has to fully, you know, get developed. So don't want to ruin anything, but uh, it's. It's a cool little, and it helps me, like having that character really helps explain the science of it too, because that's another thing I, I, I'd like to, to teach while, while writing, you know, because there's a lot of really cool tidbits that I've, that are true that, you know, I'm going to have this character kind of explain to the reader. Yeah, I mean, having that depth in the book that it is tied to real science and actually people learn something from reading this too, I think it is a real value added of the comic. And it's a story that, 
I mean, no, they do this with other comics as well, but I can see this easily being translated into a novel, easily translated into a TV show, probably more TV than movie because you have the room to breathe and expand and get into the deeper character development than you could in, say, two hours. But yeah. I, there's really a lot there and a lot of depth there that you can do this in many different kind of uh, – through many different kinds of media and still get a very powerful story, either you know, visually – television or just through the written word and the story itself the writing itself that's the end game for us initially when i came up with it i wanted to do uh you know do, i envisioned this this idea as a television show and my idea was like every season like for example each story arc that we're doing it takes place in a city um the main goal of the character is to go from florida the main character is to go from florida to tennessee to reunite with his daughter and they essentially have to walk from Florida to Tennessee. So each story arc is going to be named after the city they're in. So the first story arc that we just completed is called Fort Myers, which is the where it starts. And then we're doing Port Charlotte, Tampa, Zephyr Hills, as they work their way up the state into Tennessee. And the idea was each season, if we do become a television show, knock on wood one day, that each season will take place in said city. And we are able to expand more and more on all the characters within. But, uh, yeah, some good news. I haven't. I don't know if I've uh, talked to you about it, but we did sign a, a deal with an agent in uh, Hollywood who's actually pitching the property to multiple studios and distributors. So hopefully that dream might come true. Knock on wood. Excellent. Great. And Great. thanks to Walking Dead. I mean, you mentioned Walking Dead earlier, but thanks to Walking Dead, you know, I had the ability to follow my dream dream and make a comic in the hopes of since they've had so much success. Hollywood is looking at comics for the next Walking Dead. Hmm. So I thought this, you know, could do both. Make a comic and hopefully, you know, the end game is a TV show. But regardless, I've, I've, I'm living my dream. So even if nothing ever happens, I'm okay with it. It's just been great being able to tell the story, you know, and meeting so many great people like yourself and just networking. It's, it's a great industry. It really is. It is. Uh, and I wanted to ask you about the creative team now that I think you met them through DeviantArt because they are yeah. an international team. Well, it's what you yep. have. Um, what do you know about each of the artists and the editors working on the book? It's been it's been wild. So I met like like you said, everybody on DeviantArt, um, the artist who I've collaborated with some other books too. We've become pretty close friends, and again, never met face to face. He's from Serbia. His name is Branko Jovanovic, and a very very talented artist. And uh, my colorist, my original colorist, Song, he's from uh, China, and we actually just. Signed a new colorist. His name is J.M. Ringoot. He actually does the image book called uh, Repossessed. And he's going to be coloring us, uh, doing the coloring for the new story. And uh, my editor, um, my original editor, Michael, he's from Vancouver. Uh, again, just a huge melting pot of everybody. Our letterer is uh, DJ Bennett. He actually letters Batman and Batgirl and uh, Hacktivist. So it's just a great collaborator, just great collaboration of, of talented individuals. And I really lucked out because everybody gets together, gets along great. And um, I have a new editor now, and she's actually a partner in the publishing firm that we're doing. It's called Jamestown Publishing. Her name is Courtney Whittemore, and she's local. And uh, I, I would recommend that to anybody um, who's looking to get into the business or into writing comics. Uh, having a good editor, and both Michael and Courtney are fantastic is just so big because you need someone I think as a writer to challenge you and I, both Courtney and Michael have done that for me and it just I've really been blessed in that I've heard some horror stories about you know like all teams whether it's in business or in sports or whatever if they don't get along it kind of destroys 
whatever team they're on or property that they're doing. And I've lucked out because I've had some really good teammates here from the get-go. No, you are really lucky because there have been characters and stories that I've read. And I'm like, this is so good. But the team, as far as the art or maybe the art, the pencil and the colorist, something Mm -hmm. falls flat and it doesn't do service to the writing. I rarely see the reverse where the writing is not up to the standard of the art. It's usually the reverse. And it's a shame because that can really make or break a story. It's just like how a show can be filmed. You know, if it's not yeah. directed properly, it's the screenplay isn't written right and laid out, it can destroy a great show. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I know, yes. I'm sure we can both name off uh, tons of <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, I'm able to – I mean, everybody's on the same page. There were some conflicts where we had to do a little uh, switching of the creative team, but it's been seamless. And, I mean, it, it just – it's really been blessed I can't stress that enough, how awesome this whole experience has been. And you've done the first six issues through Kickstarter. Correct. And we're essentially taking a break from publishing, but not in creating. We're up to number nine. Oh, wow. All completed. But in the past three months, I've been going back back and forth with numerous um, small and mid-sized publishers about uh, promoting it. Because that's really the one thing we've had some great success on the regional level and on the Kickstarter level. But what we're missing is that mass distribution. And in the comic world, you can only get it one place, and that's Diamond. Yes. So very, very close. There's been some times where, like, I mean, so close you can taste it. Deals have been almost made, but then have, uh, for certain things, just haven't worked out in the end. But it's looking like it's looking very very, very close, like we're going to be able to announce a, a big deal coming up here soon. So um, I know that uh, starting the publishing company, too, um, I have that option to do Solar Flare with our own or potentially with another company, too. We're just I should have an answer by the end of the year, though, for sure. You know, when I look through Kickstarter and I look at new projects and new creations, about 10%, I say, are really solid. And mm-hmm. when I saw yours, I was like, this is a really solid book. This is definitely more than good enough for Image or Boom Studios um, or any of the other, even the smaller publishers, any of those, because it's definitely the quality, the art, and the story is solid. It's there, and I was wondering when somebody's going to, why someone hadn't picked it up yet. You know, I, I, from this is my personal opinion is, and not necessarily just m- my book, but like a lot of we've done a lot of conventions uh, myself and some of my teammates and throughout this past year, and there is some very, very talented individuals there on the conventions that are, are doing the marketing and pushing themselves. And I really, truly believe there's an indie comic book revolution happening right now that the big companies and even the mid-sized companies are completely missing. I, I think a lot of the big companies are focusing on licensing deals, you know, like Power Rangers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc. But uh, Kickstarter has bec- has really started this revolution, and I think a lot of these these companies are just missing the boat on on these potential amazing stories. I mean, I can list off tons that I initially found on Kickstarter and then met the creator on the, the convention level that has just been just superior. And uh, I really think that's going to change in the next couple of years, where you're not going to need any of the companies anymore. Thanks to thanks to platforms like Kickstarter, but uh, until Diamond isn't the only game in town, it's still necessary. But that could change too. So, yeah, yeah it's, I'm, it's, it's I'm excited de- for the future. Yeah, it's definitely a change that we need in the industry because uh, you know there is a lot of this talent out there, and it's hard to break out 
when you're trying to go through Diamond to get your books distributed. And you look at movies, even some of those uh, where they're just making sequels of old movies. So they're afraid to try anything new because they go, well, I want that, that built-in audience. And in a way, through Kickstarter, you do have a loyal following yep. when you go to a publisher. So in a sense, they, ha- they should have some comfort level that you have a ready-made audience. You have people that are willing to go through Kickstarter and support the book and get it. So there's an audience there already. But they're not. But the bigger companies aren't quite ready to take the chance on anything new. They want to make sure they have that revenue coming in. And yep. the, the smaller companies, it's more for the creators. Like, look, you know, we'll support you, but it's your project. You know, you got to do the marketing for it. But we'll, you know, we'll support it and give you a way to publish it. And you really do have to promote yourself. With the, I mean, you're very smart going to the conventions, meeting with people, talking with them. You just can't say, I've got a website or pump out social media or even just the Kickstarter. You've got to go beyond that to break out from all, everyone else out there. Yeah. I mean, you really do. You just you have to find I mean, social media presence is, is so important. Um, I mean, there's so many different things. That's kind of what get, with starting like the own publishing company. That's the ultimate goal. I mean, I haven't talked to you about it. It's called Jamestown. Like you personally about it, Jamestown Publishing. Mm-hmm. We kind of just launched it in really the past month but the idea behind it is to take projects like my own and other successful brand you know people who just say they want to raise like five thousand dollars on kickstarter but because of such the the story idea the talent involved that they end up raising forty thousand through minimal marketing efforts my goal is to take properties like that or that are already finished and give them mass distribution, hopefully through Diamond, showing them how to, you know, do social media, how to, you know, do conventions and kind of do this this joint project together to deliver their stories to the masses. Because I really think there's a way to do it that um, that is, you know, like a game plan that could be set in motion that anyone can just plug their t- property in there and and make it work. So uh, that's one of my goals going on in 2017. It's not just my own titles that I want to do, but taking some of the friends that I've made and help giving them success too by uh, hopefully helping promote them as well as my own stuff. It's great to have that kind of support system and resource there for other creators because they really could use that support, learning how to, to work their way through the system and get their books published. Mm-hmm. And my background is in sales before I did this. I, I mean... I run my own financial service company, and uh, sales is just something that I've been doing for a long time, and uh, I think that's where I can help you know, pay it forward, so to speak, with a lot of the nice people who have helped me get to where I'm at in the comic industry. I really think I can help other people by just giving them a little, uh, you know, some sales training on, on how to sell themselves and how to sell their property. So, yeah, it's knock on wood. Yep. Everything works out, you know? Yeah, it's a skill they need. I mean, people don't think they need it. And it's like, oh, I'm not a salesperson. But if you're trying to yeah. promote your own idea, your own concept, you have to have a little bit of that. You know, it's a skill yeah. you need to develop. Um, you were in San Diego this year, and you had a really good year there. You talked to the Wall Street oh. Journal. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So tell me about San Diego. I mean, that was supposed to be oh, a great experience. Awesome. I um, uh, Creature Entertainment, which is a smaller publisher out of South Florida, they actually were kind enough to invite me to come along with them. And I came along, and uh, long story short, like the convention gods were shining down upon me, but uh, they ended up getting this other booth, which left me with my booth all alone, <laughs> where I was just going to take a little portion of their booth. So the connections that I made, and the, it was just, I had heard about it, and it was a last-minute decision to do it, and I've always wanted to go to San Diego, and it surpassed 
even the wild. That's where I met the my the agent who represents uh, our property now, and okay. made so many connections, printing wise, uh, company wise, people wise. I mean, it was such a great, just this great experience. San Diego was something, and I at that point I had done quite a few conventions, bigger conventions, but that thing is a whole nother. That's a whole nother ball game out there, man. That is so huge. I've never seen anything quite like it. It was a great experience. I highly recommend everybody to go, even just as a fan, to, to go there one day because it's really cool, just everything that's there. I mean, there's like a convention outside of it, too. You know, like the whole downtown San Diego around it is just, you know, people set up exhibitors, set up tents and such. It's, I mean, it's big. Yeah, no, it's a great location that there's other things to do in the area, too. So, yep. uh, so if you have to bring, oh, I don't know, family and sell it to them and say, look, there's other things to do yeah. besides, you know, that, that kind of helps. Um, now, you have another convention you're doing this year in December, towards the end of December? Uh, I just did it. Actually, oh, just, it just did it? Okay. Weekend. Yep, it was Paradise City in Miami. And uh, I actually did it uh, as Jamestown Publishing, and I did it with a whole bunch of other creators that it looks like we're going to do this, this uh, a joint venture together. One of them is Richard Rivera from Stabby Bunny. Uh, Enzo Garza, he does uh, Gut Ghost, and uh, one of my artist friends who does a lot of uh, prints for me, uh, Greg Krivak, and uh, he sells prints and original art and such. But uh, we kind of came together as a force, uh, got an island, and uh, it was very, very successful. It was a great convention. Uh, I, it helped with those holiday sales, you know, being just before the holidays, but uh, that's one thing we're kind of looking to go... Um, this nice little independent creator force going out into the future and uh, future as in 2017 and kind of collaborate together and try to hit more conventions and uh, sell, you know, one each other's stuff to help, you know, everybody out. So that's kind of the game plan going forward for next year. That's great. That's very exciting. And have you planned out uh, even roughly what cons you're going to be hitting next year in 2017 when the season starts up again? Um, we know the Florida cons, of course. Uh, Dallas is on the list. Um, maybe WonderCon in LA. Um, New York, C2E2, a lot of those. It's really tough. I mean, that's something with creators. It's really hard to get into cons because there's such a waiting list on a lot of the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess I start, I would recommend that to anyone is just kind of start that process now. You know, like even if you don't plan on doing cons, just you probably won't get in anyways, <laughs> but uh, at least it puts you on the list. So when you are ready and you have books developed, you're that much closer to getting a yes than a no. So that's what we're hoping. That's another reason to, to collaborate with other creators is that some of, um, you know, some of my friends have got into these cons like New York, for example, that I'm just going to share a booth with him. So networking is the key too, not just for your property, but to help you know, others out as well. Just, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours kind of philosophy. Yeah, the creators I've talked to, they always enjoy going to the cons just to have that chance to meet with other creators and network and kind of refresh themselves and recharge their creative batteries and have someone to commiserate with as well about some of the the challenges that they face. I don't know if you've ever listened to the podcast um, Comics Launch with Tyler James from Comics Tribe. No, I haven't. With him. It's, I can't stress that enough. I highly recommend it to you and any of the listeners out there. Like it has saved me thousands. It's all about kickstarting your comic. And, uh, he's done a, quite a few episodes recently on Patreon. Um, cause that's, that's a new form of revenue stream for a lot of, especially artists out there to, uh, provide a service and get a monthly, you know, tip or contribution, so to speak. 
And he just goes into detail about how to set things up. And he has a lot of creators and uh, other, you know, different people. Like, for example, I got my uh, my entertainment lawyer from him when I started getting all these contracts. And I had no idea you know, how to do I've never dealt with these types of contracts before. And he had a lawyer on there named uh, Dirk Vanover who – you know, specializes in this. So, and he's now my lawyer, thanks to Tyler and his, his, uh, podcast. I highly recommend giving it a listen to it. It's just great. Uh, just the resource that is for, for any creator out there. And you can even take it if you're not a comic and wanted to launch something like whether it's an invention or something on Kickstarter, it's a great little template. No, thanks. That's a great tip because uh, I'm always looking for good podcasts and that sounds like a rather unique one that'd be oh, good yeah. to add to the list. Yeah, take a look at the back catalog too, and just because uh, it might fit your particular niche. Yeah, it's different topics. I mean, they're in gosh, almost well into what is it, hundred? I want to say almost close to hundred. Oh, wow. Working on too. Yeah, he's done quite a bit. He's been doing it for a few few years now. Okay, that sounds great. I'll definitely yeah. check that out. No problem. Now let's um, let's talk about your publishing plan for the next year now you're you're thinking about 10 to 12 issues a year eventually is what you want to get to for yeah, solar that, flare that's the whole thing that's why like i really want to make a decision on on publishing the, the plan is to reprint starting with number one um we're going to do probably uh, a, a super issue one and two that we did self-publish kind of put them together and then start from there and like i told you earlier we're, we have a, already nine done and I'm still creating, the whole team is. So the thought process there is that we have so many issues in the can that we won't have that lateness problem that a lot of amazing titles have. It'll give us a huge head start, hopefully you know, nearly a year head start so we can keep up with that schedule of 10 to 12 a year. No, so that's, that's um, great. between two and three, when I was self-publishing, we kind of tested it to see if we could keep up with that monthly schedule. And that was at the kind of at the infancy of the whole project and we were able to maintain it. It was tough, but we got in just below the 30 days. So I'm confident even if we didn't have that head start that we'd be able to do it. So with this nice little, uh, you know, uh, I guess sitting period, it, it's helped, you know, we haven't stopped creating just to let anybody who has actually purchased the book out there. So it's coming. It just, uh, we're trying to make sure it has the best deal for everybody involved. No, that's great because the consistency is so important too. I mean, a lot yeah, of books absolutely. that are great, they, even though the art's great, the story's great, they they fall off their schedule. They get some gaps there that are longer than they expected. And then with so many books out in the marketplace, people just forget and move on. Yeah. Uh, I know that was a big problem with Walking Dead. I mean, that's kind of where I got my whole plan from. I've mirrored a lot of things <laughs> off of Walking Dead, not just the TV show, but the comic. I remember the original artist, Tony Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when the first one came out, it was like a six-month delay between one and two, and then eight-month between two and three, and then they get they got Charlie Adlard on, and he was able to hit a monthly. And I think the same thing with Kirkman's other title, Invincible, uh, with the original Cody Walker. His uh, he couldn't maintain that that um, that monthly ske- schedule, so they got Ryan Otley, and he could, and that really you know that gave that consistency because you got to strike when the iron's hot. hot. Yeah. I know- and that's why it's been kind of disappointing not to keep on going through Kickstarter. But the goal was always to get the mass distribution, and we're so close. Yeah, and with those delays with a lot of books, people, consumers forget over time, like say five years later when they're buying the trades, they forget about those gaps and delays. But you know, if you have those problems in the beginning, you might not make it to a trade. 
Yeah. And hopefully for your books, after you've reprinted them, you know, if you find mass distribution for it and you can represent the first six issues. And I think it's great to combine issues one and two. I've seen other publishers do that. That's really a smart start. That really gives the, the reader a nice meaty chunk to start with. Yeah. Um, Low price, try to get that oh, read. Yeah. Very smart. That's what we're hoping. But hopefully someday also have this collected as a trade. Um, oh, for sure, man. Like that's something that uh, I've kind of been, uh, you know, keeping in my back pocket, my ace up my sleeve, so to speak. So I know we've been at the convention level. A lot of people are like, oh, I just want to get the trade. I like, you know, having it on my bookshelf. I don't really collect individuals anymore. And it is coming, I promise. <laughs> so and we do have the first arc done, which is that Fort Myers arc that I was yeah. telling you about. So, yeah, I, I'm anxious for that to happen because that's when you really do get a mass appeal where you're able to be in like Barnes and Noble and Books a Million, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Do you distribute digitally as well? Or do you plan to we distribute? Mm -hmm. okay. Yep, yeah, through the website and also Comixology Submit. Uh, okay. We're on there. We have everything uh, set up there and plan on taking some different avenues too. I was just, uh, um, someone introduced me to uh, Powfolio. I don't know if you've ever seen that site, but uh, it's pretty awesome. And, um, not just for the creator, but for for fans too. A lot of the the, I guess the the work on there is on there for free. Like you don't have to pay anything. Um, they somehow pay the creators through some sort of ad revenue that pops up, very similar to what you would see in like on a YouTube ad. Okay. But mm -hmm. uh, very cool site. Webtoons is another really cool one that we're looking to get on, and then Drive Through Comics, which is I guess one of the originators of digital comics. So yeah, I'm really that's another goal going forward is to get. Uh, my properties and my friends and other independent creators is uh, on those properties and just to expand them because they're pretty cool from what I've researched and looked at so far. Yeah, I've read uh, books on Webtoons. Um, that that would require some, I guess, reformatting of the issues so you can do like the giant panel by panel kind of in a descending scrolling format. Yeah, that's what I, I heard. I'm, I'm unfortunately not very, very... Uh, knowledgeable in Photoshop and such, but I have a good, you know, I mm -hmm. got a team that I think can do that for me, but that's something to look into. I heard about that. It's just that ever scrolling, yeah. you have to reformat it differently. Hopefully it's not that hard to do yeah. um, for yeah, myself and other creators. I'm knock on wood. Yeah. No, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's perfectly formatted for a tablet. You know, it's really, the, that's really how you want to read it. Not on a really? PC or a Mac, but on a tablet, a portable device. That's what I find because it it's the same size as a comic, the device. But then yeah. you have these nice giant size frames and you can't peek ahead to the next frame or the next page. So it kind of reveals the story very slowly to you. And a lot of creators, they, they have to break it down that way. But they are thinking like you. It's, a, you know, it's for a regular size, regular format comic or for a trade. So it's a little extra work. But the, the end result is very impressive. Yeah, I, I've read it on my – I've – like looked at it on my phone, mm -hmm. which was nice. But that, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to do it on my Surface. I use the Surface. And it okay. Was cool. Yeah. So thank you for that. No, no problem. <laughs> and you also have another idea that you've worked on, another concept called The Mall. Yes. Set in the late 80s. Yes. That one is, uh, I'm co-writing it with uh, my editor of Solar Flare, Courtney Whittemore. And we're working on it. And uh, just to give you a... Uh, a preview of it. Um, the concept is it's at the height of the indoor mall popularity in the late 80s. And it's an organized crime story about how a organized crime family is run out of a, out of a mall. And it focuses on uh, three kids, um, two girls, one boy. And when we have some art, we've been working on some art and we're working on the first script. So I'll, we'll have some more information soon, but I'm real excited about that. 
And also um, working on another book called Long Live Pro Wrestling. And that one we actually have done, the first issue. And looking to solicit that sometime soon, either through Jamestown or a Kickstarter. Uh, I really haven't decided yet. But that one's about the backstage politics of pro wrestling. Um, something that I've always been a little bit interested in, not in the actual wrestling itself, but the, the different backstories about what's going on with the wrestlers and the production team behind the scenes. So that's the other uh, title we have planned for 2017. And was I can't recall, but um, was the art on that one by Branko as well? Yeah, Branko actually okay. is uh, doing that one. The mall, we're, um, we're looking for an artist. We have a couple in mind. Um, I haven't gotten to that point yet, but Branko is doing uh, the wrestling comic. Uh, I kind of fell in love with the idea, and I love Branko's art, and we have a great relationship. So uh, we've been working on that, too, as, you know, in this off time with Solar Flare. But we might actually – he's going to do the first uh, three or four issues. And then uh, once Solar Flare gets – when we get a definitive schedule for that, he'll probably move off of that book, and we'll get another artist. Okay. So he can concentrate on Solar Flare. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the – the behind the scenes, you know, going ons with that. Okay, awesome. You know, I like to ask creators when I talk to them, what are they reading? Because I like them to share with the audience what they think is uh, worth taking time out of your day and out of your life to read. So what have you, and it can be either a comic or a novel. What's really grabbing your attention right now? The ones when I uh, order my comics, the my go-tos, I'll tell you right now, where I just... I have so much stuff I need to catch up on, number one. But the ones that I am looking forward to are Walking Dead, Saga, Unfollow. I don't know if you follow that one. It's a Vertigo book. That's fantastic. I've heard uh, about it, yeah. Yep. Uh, Reborn, the new yes. Mark Millar Miller mm -hmm. book with Greg Capula. That one's fantastic, too. Um, anything by Greg Rucka, like Velvet, I'm a big, big fan of and Lazarus. Velvet's actually Brubaker, but Lazarus is by Ruka. That's awesome. And um, one that I just, and I'm kind of mad at myself for not discovering earlier, is Lock and Key by Joe Hill. Oh, it is yeah. absolutely amazing. I'm on the third uh, Mastery Edition. My wife and I both love, absolutely love that. So those are the ones that I'm kind of reading right now. Okay. Have you? Um, these are some other books that I thought might be up your alley. There's uh, Eclipse uh, through Image. Oh yes, I, I actually I read the first issue. I was excited about that one. I thought so you liked I, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. That one was cool. And there's uh, Frostbite, which is a flip on it where it's a second Ice Age and Frostbite. Yeah, I read the first one there too. Yeah. It's, I have so many. Again, it's sitting on the nightstand waiting to be read too to continue that. I like. I thought that one started very promising as well. I mean, that's to me is like the trilogy. That's yeah. Frostbite in your book. Like they all kind of they're just like, <laughs> Every, yeah they I, fit together. They're very nice. They'd be a great trilogy series. <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle yeah, of apocalyptic right. tales. I like it. <laughs> So anything else you have you want to share with us? Anything else coming up for 2017 we should look for besides the big announcement that you're working on? Yeah, I'm mean, really just, um, you know, check out, kept, keep checking on our website or our Facebook page, which is, website is solarflarecomic.com. The Facebook is, face, you know, www.facebook.com slash solarflarecomic. But also check out jamestownpublishing.com. That's where... We're going to announce not just um, you know some titles that I'm going to do, whether it be Solar Flare or the rest of the titles, but a whole bunch of other independent creators too, and um, just some good books that I've that I myself am a fan on, and I, I want to get to the masses. So keep checking on those sites, and that's the best way to get the info. 
And you have the first six issues right now for, is it 20 bucks? Yeah, 20 bucks. We're doing an online special, and that is simple as solarflare.com or solarflarecomic.com slash store, and you can get a whole bunch of uh, all, all our issues, whether it's the variants or the regular printings and the backpacks as well. We have a cool survival backpack that people should uh, check out before we sell out. See, so all you people are really lucky. You don't have to wait for each Kickstarter to get funded <laughs> to see the first. You can just go boom and grab them all at once and sit down and read it like a trade. Yes. So you're very lucky people. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and we, we sell, uh, when I do the conventions, I, I, I bind them together myself. Ah, okay. Not like by, like through the, like uh, this plastic shrink wrap. And, okay. You know, it gives the appeal of a trade. Yeah. So, yeah, you have the fo- first, you know, the story within the story kind of thing. So, yeah. Cool. It, it's been awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. For, oh, James, for, thanks so much. It's been on the show. great talking to you. And that was my interview with James Hayek on his comic book Solar Flare. You know, and I really hope he does get uh, a deal where he has some wider distribution through another publisher. And as I said in the interview, I look through Kickstarter for upcoming projects that have very uh, solid storytelling and solid art. And it's pretty rare to find that. I mean, I'd say only, as I did in the interview, 10% make the cut. Uh, that have an artist who is professional enough that you know the book merits wider distribution and this was one that certainly did and the first six issues were done so lucky you you can dive into the story and read the whole first arc all six issues for just 20 bucks so i encourage you to check that out and that wraps up this week's episode with james hayek on solar flare so uh, if you have any questions or comments or criticisms you can reach me on facebook and twitter at creator talks pod that's at creator talks pod and for show notes you can go to creatortalks.com where i have notes about the show in my blog also past interviews on video and in writing for creator talks i'm christopher calloway i know you have a lot of podcasts to choose from and i thank you for choosing this one Until next time, this has been Creator Talks.